0: Hi, and welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily Podcast, where I, your host, Mario Cristofano, will talk to you about life as a delivery manager. We'll talk about strategy, tactics, things to do, not to do, and wrap that up in a way which makes sense. This is a daily series of podcasts which are released across all your favorite podcast software. And there's a video version on YouTube with additional content, if you wish. If you want to get in touch, get involved with the podcast or even be a sponsor, get in touch via Twitter, DM underscore daily. And don't forget to check out the video version of this podcast on YouTube, the Delivery Manager Daily. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Delivery Manager Daily. I haven't done one in a while. Um, we recently had a guest on Andy Tabara in the last episode which was really great and actually I'm going to extract something that he said uh, about what I'm going to talk about today having just come off the phone with a colleague who is also experiencing the very problem that I'm going to talk about and that is uh, managing your time when you're busy Uh, managing multiple projects so uh, thanks for listening and if you want to get involved with the podcast don't forget to get in touch with me on twitter at mario dc or at dm underscore daily and you can check out my blog at mariosblog.co.uk so time very often none of us have a lot of it Uh, i think that i sit In a position of experience now and something I've learned to do over the past kind of three or four years which is to really manage and defend my time. Now I talk to a lot of colleagues and and peers and not just in the organizations that are close to me but many far and wide and often there's a default stock response or what seems to be a stock response of I'm sorry I haven't got time today Um, I'm in back-to-back meetings. Now I think uh, back-to-back meetings are a plague And whilst very easy, I'm sure, to kind of say, well, you should just say no. I know that's very uh, different in practice and and the ability that some of you listening may or may not have to just say no uh, will obviously be different individual to individual. But I'm going to talk about how I migrated my way from... Uh, being in what I thought was fairly frenetic chaos, you know, back-to-back meetings and being uh, dictated to by the pace or the tone or the voice of the project or maybe my superiors or the organisation or culture itself and actually took charge of managing my time and the impact that that had on my ability to to do my job even better uh, than than I ever thought possible. So in the next 20 minutes or so, I'm going to be talking through some of the practical strategy and tactics that I use to kind of defend my time and this is something that I've talked about to other colleagues and peers and started to see them who have deployed these uh, tips uh, equally uh, reaping the benefits so hopefully uh, you will too. So let's look at a given project, uh, arbitrary project if you will, that has a tone a culture historic baked in legacy that everyone's got to be on back-to-back meetings all day every day and because it's a mixed supplier project everyone's got a bit of a fear of missing out commercially or otherwise so everyone and everyone's dog and uncle get invited and you end up with these really sprawling um telephonic combats uh from nine o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night and at the cost to the the project you know we all know about how to calculate the expense of a meeting, the cost of a meeting even. um, What you tend to find is you have these wildly unproductive teams working on huge scale projects, unable to be effective. Um, The impact on the quality of the meeting itself, if everyone's lurching from back to back meetings, well, is limited. You don't have any time to write up notes. You don't have any time to understand and carry out actions. And you don't have any time to work in between those meetings because there is no time. The colleague that I was speaking to earlier on this morning was saying that, you know, they're not going to get time for lunch. They're not going to get time to have a break. And they're probably going to be doing or cashing up with their work between about 6 p.m. and 8 o'clock in the evening, which is very much a cultural thing. I have found in uh, many organisations. And then just day to day, if we take that arbitrary project. To one side hopefully that sounds familiar to many just your day-to-day can get swallowed up people kind of abuse your calendar and will put meetings in over uh, the notion of lunch times or can you just or it'll only take five minutes or maybe you've got colleagues and peers who have pre-meetings about the meeting and then want a post meeting wash up meeting so actually one meeting turns into three and that's before you even get to uh, the fact that the meeting could have been an email in the first place which is obviously a, a well-known meme amongst other things but all of that is great to talk about but how many of you are actively combating this plight this poison by actually deploying some self-control and a little bit of firmness with the organizations that you work for or your colleagues or your peers or the project team or the stakeholders and actually say no to meetings so I'm going to tell you what I do and try and do and I've wrote about it on mariosblog.co.uk if you do a search for time management and I've also blogged about it internally to the various companies that I work for and I've actively coached people through uh, doing some of these things whether they're in discrete chunks or just going at it full hog and deploying all the tips uh, that I'm recommending and changing the way that they work forever. So a few caveats before we start, Um, the ability to take control of your own time is something that unfortunately we're not all able to do, it's a luxury and a privilege and it's a bit of a privilege that I can sit here on a podcast and I think... I've said something similar before it's very easy to be able to say well here's what you should do but I've been fortunate enough to work my way into a position where I can and obviously a lot of people aren't in the position where they can fully control their day and whilst I think being at the mercy of others in terms of how your day goes is a risk in itself that's worthy of a conversation in another podcast so About three years ago, I wanted to embark on this journey of self-improvement and really look at every single element of what I can do to be better as a human being. How I spend my time was one of them. You've heard the notion of busy fall. Now, I've always, because of my organisation and my ability to organise, been fairly good at managing multiple things or doing multiple things. But that was often at the expense and the compromise I was willing to make of my own time or the quality of my own downtime. As I wanted to improve as a leader and as a business person and a delivery manager and all the other hats that I wear, I really wanted to look and understand about how I manage my time and the time that I offer to people and the manner to which I do it. So whether you employ me directly, whether I work for you as a consultant, whether you're a peer colleague, even a family member, um, there's a certain rule of engagement that I absolutely stick by and communicate and make sure that everyone is clear to get the best version of mario um you have to engage with me on my terms in terms of my time because it's that it's my time now andy tabber in the last podcast said something really interesting which was this notion of um when you're looking at getting the best out of people one of the things you can do it's it's a psychological game and and Tuition coaching, kind of thing. I think it's the diary of me, the manual of me. Sorry, the manual of me. And the idea is like a Haynes manual is to a car, uh, you have your own manual which governs how you work, operate, interact with people, the things that you like, don't like, can cope with, cannot cope with. And we often don't write that down and then present it to others to give the relationship the best chance of working. You can attribute that to your own personal relationships too, right? How often do you sit down with your partner and say, actually. I find that I feel this way when this happens or this external force is applied. I act like this or, you know, so I've started to document and write down what gets a good Mario and what encourages a not so good Mario. And one of the things is the the leeching of my time, especially where I felt or have felt that that time is somewhat wasted. So practically what I try and do is start with my weekly outlook calendar. And I use that as a tool, a communication tool, as part of my manual. So everyone is clear how I spend my time and where I'm spending it and what the rules of engagement are. So the first thing I do is make sure my calendar is public. Now, I don't know the politics around the organisation that you work for, but my Outlook calendar, I use Outlook 90% of the time in my day to day life. So I make that the focal point of how I spend my time uh, Monday through Friday. And I put everything in there, including personal appointments. So anyone at any point, considering I'm spending 70 to 80% of my time at work, um, gets to see everything that's going on. And what I do is I look at my calendar and move far enough in advance where I can implement these things. So if you're trying this, obviously you might not be able to apply this tomorrow or on Thursday or Friday. You might have to go a couple of weeks ahead because you're probably stacked up with back-to-back appointments. Um, And the first thing I do is find a clear week or that's relatively clear outside the monotony and the, the regularness of your stand ups and weekly meetings and that kind of thing. And the first thing I do is I block out lunch between 12 and 1. Now, this is notional. It's the point of knowing that at some point during the day, you need at least an hour off. You need an hour to have some food and you need an hour to walk away from the screen and keyboard. So it doesn't matter whether it's 12 to 1, 1 till 2, 2 till 4. It's the notion of being religious and committing to it just as you would any other meeting. So between 12 and 1, every day for me, 12 to 1 works. It's a nice split in my average 8, 9 hour day. I put in lunch and I mark it as lunch. And I make it absolutely clear in the subject line in the, in the meeting, don't disturb, it's my lunch time. And I block that out every day, Monday to Friday. And then I colour code it. And we'll talk about colour coding and why to do that in a sec. The next thing I do is I block the first hour of every day and the last hour of every day out too as contemplative thinking time. Now I do that twofold. I tend to find that they're the best parts of the day for me to do those things, to contemplate and to think. But I'm also quite defensive in that I pick those times because I know that culturally and organisationally in the landscape that I work in, those are the times where people generally are in a panic state, need something, want something, want to encroach upon my time in a manner that's not controlled. So I simply eliminate that risk by blocking that time out. That way, I have some semblance of control over my day and to make sure that I'm not starting and ending my day in chaos, which is important to me. Now, there's a little bit of give and take across all of this, and we'll we'll talk about that shortly. So at the minute, hopefully you've got your lunch times booked out and you've got that start of the day booked out for an arbitrary amount of time, 45 minutes, half an hour, an hour. And at the end of the day, too, you might even find that as you look at your own week and analyse your own week, maybe you feel that on a Friday, before a software release it's chaos and you know you want to block some time out for some mental headspace or you know because you've been bitten by it before that on a Friday you get a load of work chucked to you so someone else can get it off their plate now this isn't about making yourself unavailable or unhelpful or not being a team player or any of that it's about taking control of your own time and you will have to dial this up or down with some context of your own world and landscape that I don't know but I'm just telling you what I do So we've got the start and the end of every day booked out and we've got my lunch times booked out the next thing i do is in between all the regular meetings that i have is i book in some contemplative time time to do some thinking and time to do some work so i'll book in between the gaps often 60 percent of the space in between the gaps with this particular appointment and i'll color code that something different too so as i look at my diary and outlook look at my calendar i can see broadly via simple colour coding where I'm spending my time I'm checking is there enough I use blue for example for lunch time are there five blocks of blue to know that I'm getting a lunch every day I use green for contemplative time so is there enough green across the overall calendar over the course of a week from an arbitrary percentage perspective where I can say based on all the work that I'm doing I've got an equal amount of time to actually conduct that work think about it and do it properly all my meetings are colour code, a fairly sombre colour, grey, black. The reason for doing so is that should work, right? That's the things that you're committed to that are often not as in control as they could be. External meetings, meetings with client stakeholders, all your agile events, all that kind of stuff. I do leave some space free for uh, controlled chaos. So these are spaces in my diary that I don't put anything in and allow people to, to take. But I'm still in control of that because I always control that space accordingly and make sure there's not too much or too little. I tend to also diarise slots for meetings and label that accordingly. So when people engage with my diary, they can see where the time is, where they can book meetings with me. And then in between all those meetings, I put anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes either side to make sure that I can be effective in the meeting. So that means if I need to run the meeting, I've got space to prepare, space to follow up write notes, circulate notes and actions, that kind of thing else. Otherwise, the meeting is pointless. And effective meetings is maybe another episode and another subject to talk about. So having done all that, I've got this colour-coded calendar of, at a glance, I can see roughly where I spend my time and how I spend it. Lunch times, breaks away from the keyboard, work, meetings. And I try and balance all that out so every week... Every commitment that I have gets the best version of me and I give myself in the most appropriate way. Now, obviously, you have to do a bit of take. There's going to be the odd lunchtime where you have to work through or there's going to be the odd client demand where you work late. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, my world's perfect. And that balance is that give and take I'm able to do because I plan my time in this manner. And it helps me understand the compromise I'm making and make sure that I don't turn that into a habit. And every week I work two or three weeks in advance, I go through my diary, go through my calendar, colour coding in this manner to make sure that I've got an appropriate amount of time split between those things. So in summary, just for this bit, think about plotting some time out for lunch, breaks, time in between uh, each meeting to allow you to be effective in that meeting, time for people to take your time and then blocking out strategic parts of your day where you're usually disturbed to give yourself some free mental headspace. And what you should hopefully find is that despite the perception of if you're not around, people might panic because maybe you do, you know, an important job or you're part of a big team and everyone's, you know, part of that overall um, uh, resource need. Actually, people will get used to you you ordering your time in such a manner where, um, well, we know that if we go to this person's calendar, we can see that they're going to open up windows of opportunity for meetings and they can book a meeting in that space and if they want to compromise and they want to negotiate which is what life's about they can message you they can instant message you and say look hey I know you've got this time blocked out any chance and then you're in control of the conversation rather than getting two hour meetings dropped into your calendar that invariably overrun that bleed into your next meeting and you end up having a day full of back-to-backs I mean really how effective are you doing that on a regular basis so Calendar entries and how to manage your time using colour coding, I think, is definitely a thing. You should definitely check out the options that you have available to you in your day to do that. Uh, And if you go to maria'sblog.co.uk and uh, search for time management, you'll see a couple of good examples of where I do that. Let me know in Twitter how you get on with that, whether you think it's feasible or it's just kind of perfect world and it's not actually practical for you and what you think you could do to help manage your time and uh, we'll now move on to the next part of this podcast, which is talking about how to manage your week. This episode sponsored by ND Technology Services for IT Consultancy and Digital Delivery Projects and Creative Pixel. If you want an affordable, bespoke website, which won't break the bank, get in touch. creativepixel.me.uk forward slash dmdaily for a 10% discount on all websites. So in this next part of the subject on time management, I wanted to talk outside of managing my Outlook calendar, some of the other things that I do to help take control of my day and week. Now, I'm a big believer in setting yourself up for success, and that starts with preparation, often for me on a Sunday night. And then what I try and do is get to a point on Friday where at about four o'clock. I feel that I can either go to the gym and relax or go and have a beer, knowing that I've really contributed to success, either for my teams, my clients, stakeholders, and I've really managed myself into a point of where I can give my brain a big old hit of dopamine and go into my weekend and feel energized to do exactly the same thing the next week. What I've learned is that by giving my brain that chemical reward, it encourages me do exactly the same thing the following week and be consistent and one of the things that i've learned is to be good consistently takes a hell of amount of effort so it's no good being good three or four weeks in a row and then having eight weeks of absolute chaos what i try and do is be consistently good over time and having done that over the last three to five years using techniques like this this is where i found my own progression and success has come from it's that baseline consistency So on a Sunday night I'll go into my office and I'll clear my whiteboard, I've got a physical whiteboard stuck up on the office wall and what I try and do is use regular Kanban to manage everything that I want to do for the week. It's a week view and I include everything on it, all my personal stuff, my side hustle, my business, the companies and organisations that I work for and everything in between. Now there's two techniques I use, the um, Eisenhower's prioritization method and the 80-20 rule. So let's start with the 80-20 rule, which is something that I'm sure many of you have heard of, which is the notion. Of the 20% of your activities, so 20% broadly of the things you're going to do that week will account for 80% of your results. Now I was often victim of just thinking I've got a list of things to do and I'm going to tackle them in order and I'm not going to be um, moved away from that regardless of the priority of them and the impact that doing those things will have. I'm just going to work my way through a list and often you get to the end of the week, maybe you've cleared half the list and actually those things that you've done have been not, terribly important but you feel good because you've worked your way in a structured order through a list of things now I've learned to focus on the things that are valuable on a number of levels and that can be chaotic because your list is then unordered but by doing those things doing the most valuable things and recognizing what those things are often I find that I have a better week and then there's the Eisenhower matrix which is this process of organising those tasks into the things that you need to focus on because they need to be done for example on that day. Things that you might want to schedule out um, that aren't so urgent but should be scheduled and probably completed in the week. Things that you can delegate that are probably reasonably urgent but you can delegate to someone else and the things that are neither urgent nor important that you may still find that they're on your list but really you shouldn't do. Now to understand both of these in more detail you can go to eisenhower.me for the Eisenhower matrix and you can go to uh, BrianTracy.com on his blog using the Pareto principle or you can Google Pareto principle and I use both of those to plan what goes on to my Kanban so I'll write down on post-it notes all the things that I want to achieve in that week and I'm strategic with those things I will look at having organized my diary and outlook what I want to achieve out of those meetings conversations that I want to have negotiations that I need to do, project outcomes that I want to facilitate and at the end of the week where I want to be both personally and professionally. And I'll manifest them as sticky notes in one form or another, running them both through the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, making sure that I've then filtered and prioritised them based on what I think is really the key things to do to get me to the end of the week uh, that are going to have real value. And then the Eisenhower matrix of then Reprioritizing them again of what can be delegated, what can be done later to give me a sense of order. And then I'll put them loosely into a backlog on my Kanban board. And then using Kanban techniques over the course of the week in conjunction with um, managing my Outlook calendar, I can find a really effective way of managing my time and how I'm spending my time to achieve outcomes. And by the time I get to the end of the week, Everything on my Kanban should have been moved to the right. I've achieved all my meetings and of course life's great. You open a beer. You've just done a 10k run and you go into the weekend celebrating with a kebab. Now it's not as easy as that all the time but generally speaking over the last three years I've religiously maintained some of the things that I say that I do on this podcast and it has had an absolute profound effect on my life my success in my career and how I manage myself. So I would thoroughly recommend you start to think about on a Sunday preparing and visualising for the week that you want and then using a combination of managing your Outlook calendar and using a Kanban board, a physical one, to take control of how you spend that time rather than letting time um be a sort of a weight around your neck really so there we have it then two areas for you to think about in terms of managing your time firstly looking at how you use outlook and manage outlook entries and appointments and using color coding to visually and at a glance understand where you're spending your time making sure of course you're giving yourself time for plenty of rest recuperation and being effective in between meetings And also some practical things you can do on a Sunday in terms of preparing yourself for success for the week, Uh, planning your time using Kanban and bringing that into a consistent way of working each week so you can get to the end of the week and sit on a big rocker success and be awesome so some of these things i'd be really keen for you to try out and then let me know on twitter how you get on with them maybe tell me about what is and isn't practical or maybe things that you do that really help you in your work contact me at twitter at mariodc or at dm underscore daily or check out mario's blog.co.uk for more